0: Welcome to the church family that is lifting lives through living love, inspiring hope, filling with faith, and transforming our world. These recorded messages are made available so that you might have additional opportunities to stay connected with us and that you might learn and grow in your faith. God bless you as you hear the Word today. And now, the message. Our reading comes from Matthew 3, verses 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so for now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. May the Lord bless the reading and the hearing of his word. Well, just to give you a, a picture of where we're going this year, we're going to spend between now and Easter in the Gospel of Matthew. And we're going to start with Matthew chapter 3. In over the course of Christmas, we we read chapter 1 and chapter 2, the story of angels' visitation to Joseph, and then the wise men. So we, in, in Herod, we've kind of covered some of those stories. So we're going to start with the passage that uh, Michael read for us with uh, Matthew chapter 3 and kind of move forward from there. And as we did in the fall, there will be daily devotionals that will cover kind of each piece. So like if you want to read through it each day, uh, there will be daily devotionals to go out to guide you in that reading because we can't cover you know every story in the Gospel of Matthew between now and Easter. But uh, if you want to make sure that you're getting those daily devotionals, just make sure on your card, write devotionals uh, in the prayer request space. You can do that online and that way you can kind of... but. My my goal is, I thought, you know, this would just be a good goal for us as a church, that as a church, we read through the Gospel of Matthew as we begin the new year, and those daily devotionals are designed to help you do that. So, um, let me start with one of my favorite movies of all time, O oh Brother, Where Art Thou?, it is uh, by far one of my favorite movies. Uh, what I love most about it, I think, is the soundtrack. You know, it just has this great music of blues and bluegrass and southern gospel. And one of the best-known songs from the movie was Alison Krause's rendition of Let's Go Down to the River to Pray, uh, which is actually a song that dates back all the way to the early 1860s. And so, uh, if you know the scene from the movie, uh, the, you know, the three guys, Everett, Delmar, and Pete, they're in the woods, enjoying a gopher, a uh, roasted gopher, uh, when out of the nowhere, this congregation appears around them, all dressed in white, all singing, let's go down to the river to pray. And they pay them no mind as they pass on by, because they're on their way down to the river to be baptized. And the guys are kind of mesmerized by the music and so they follow it down to the shore and they're watching this baptism take place in Everett, George Clooney, in his typical way, cynical way, begins saying, well, you know, hard times, people look for hope in all kinds of places, but Delmar, in the front, you can already see it. He is caught. He is captured. And before you know it, he jumps in the river, jumps to the front of the line, gets baptized. And when he comes up, comes back to, to you know, Everett and Pete on the shore, he says, well, that's it, boys. "'All my sins have been washed away from here on out. "'It's the straight and narrow, and heaven everlasting is my reward.'" The preacher said, "'All my sins are washed away, "'including that piggly wiggly I knocked over in Yazoo.'" And Everett says, "'Well, I thought you said you were innocent of those charges.'" To which Delmar said, "'Well, I was lying, and that's been forgiven too.'" From here on out, neither man nor God's got anything on me. Come on in, boys. The water is fine. Now, I can't quite deliver it the way Tim Blake Nelson does, but I love that scene because what he's articulating there, and I think all of us can relate to it, is that desire for a fresh start, a desire for rebirth. I mean, don't we all, on some level, everyone desires a rebirth? You know, a chance to start new, a chance to be young again. Wouldn't it be great to be young again, to know, na- you know, to know then what we know now, to avoid all the mistakes and pitfalls of life? Wouldn't it be wonderful to brim with optimism and hope, to see possibility for newness everywhere, to see the world through the eyes of a child? Wouldn't it be great if we could? T- Peel back the clock and the years to become new again. I think we all share at least a little bit in that desire because that's what we celebrate every new year, isn't it? This opportunity to turn the page on whatever it was and you start fresh, start brand new. And in this new year, we're going to embrace new habits and we're going to purge all the things that hurt us. We're going to start fresh and new. We all desire rebirth in some way. Well, Jesus spoke to this desire, this need that I think is kind of in the human heart, this desire for rebirth, in a conversation he had one night with a man named Nicodemus. Now, we don't read about this story in Matthew's gospel. It's actually John's gospel. So we're going to hop over to John for a bit. We'll come back to Matthew in a second. So he has this conversation with Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. Pharisees were people who devoted their lives to studying and understanding and following God's law. And most of the Pharisees did not get along with Jesus. They thought he was, you know, he broke far too many rules for them to be comfortable with. But not Nicodemus. Contrary to all of his peers, He respected Jesus. He he sought him out in the middle of the night. Yes, under the cover of nightfall so no one else would see him, but he sought him out because he wanted to learn from Jesus. And so when he approaches Jesus, he begins by saying, Rabbi, we know that you are a a, a teacher who has come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. But before he gets the opportunity to ask his question, which we don't exactly know what question was on his heart, maybe Jesus anticipates the question. Maybe he knows that what Nicodemus wants to ask is, how can you see the kingdom of God? Which is an interesting question. How can you see the kingdom of God? What does the kingdom of God mean? You know, was Nicodemus wanting to know, how can I earn eternal salvation to see the kingdom of God in heaven someday? Or, Or was he speaking about, how can I see the kingdom of God in the here and now? Because that was Jesus's core teaching, according to, you know, most of the gospels, is the kingdom of God has come near. So how can one see the kingdom of God? And Jesus, anticipating this question, you know, answers him and says, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God, unless they are born from above. Or perhaps, Jesus says, born from born again, because that's the weird thing about the Greek. It can be translated, understood in both ways, both born above and born again. Nicodemus kind of leans into that born again. He, his mind can't make sense of it. He says, well, how is that possible? How could a man be born again after having grown old can can one enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born again hey, i know which which like come on nicodemus get with it of course jesus isn't talking about that but but if we sit with it for a moment we can understand what nicodemus is asking is it possible after someone has lived their whole life to be young again to start over to be fresh is that even possible And Jesus again says to him, very truly, I say unto you, second time he said those words, very truly, I say unto you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. And then he goes on to explain, except it's not really a great explanation. It's it's almost more cryptic. He says, for flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. And don't be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above for the wind blows where it chooses and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. What? I mean, is Jesus being intentionally cryptic in this moment? Nicodemus is completely lost. And and maybe some of us would say, yeah, me too. I don't understand what Jesus is saying here. That's okay. Jesus is is referencing a handful of things here. Water, water, spirit, wind. And these things, if for anyone who has studied the Bible, which Nicodemus had, would recognize that these are the components, the essential components of creation. Go back to the original story of creation, the very first verse of the Bible, and it reads, in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. And a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Except this is the interesting part in both Hebrew and in Greek. The words for wind can also be translated as spirit, can also be translated as breath. They're all the same word. And so some translations say, while the spirit of God hovered over. Or brooded over the waters. There it is in the beginning of creation. Wind and water. And then God speaks. And what is speaking except breath tumbling out over our teeth and our tongues? God speaks and says, let there be light. And from the act of his spirit spoken through him, there's light. And in successive days, there'll be sea and sky and land. God creates. But here's what I want you to see at the very beginning. What's present? Water and spirit. And as you kind of skim through the Old Testament, you'll see water and spirit show up again and again and again in the story of the, of the people. And whenever it shows up, the story of people of Israel, it always signifies a new start, a new creation. Start with Noah. God gets tired or frustrated with the the wickedness of creation. So he says to himself, I'm going to start over. And so he starts over again through water, the waters of Noah, and he saves his people through the ark. And then you move on forward to his people crying out in slavery in Egypt, and he wants to create a nation dedicated and formed for himself. And so he leads them through the Red Sea into liberation. And then after wandering in the desert for 40 years, he leads them to their forever home, the promised land, through the River Jordan. And in each and every single one of these stories, there's a passage through water led by, empowered by God's spirit. It's a new moment, a new chapter in the story of creation. And so now we get back to Matthew. When Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan by his cousin John, we should pay attention because there's wind and water and spirit. And we should hear these stories echoing in our mind, the story of creation. The story of Noah and the dove. The story of the Red Sea. You know, Jesus' baptism, don't forget, was followed by 40 days in the wilderness. The story of the crossing of the River Jordan. We should, it's like alarm bells should go off in the story that this is a new start. A new, something new is starting in God's story of creation. And this story is about the rescue and redemption and restoration of creation. And at the center of this new start, this new story is a man named Jesus whom God declared as his son and the waters of his baptism. So let me take you back to Nicodemus. What were his questions again? Remember? How can someone see The kingdom of God? How is it possible for someone who is old to start new? Well, Jesus goes on to answer him. He says, well, the way it's possible is by believing in the one whom God has sent. And then as he's going on to explain who it is that God has sent, we get to the famous verse that shows up at every sporting venue in the world, for God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Indeed, God didn't send him his, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, "If you want everlasting life, if you want hope, if you want forgiveness, if you want to start fresh, if you want to see the kingdom of God, believe in me, for I'm the one that God has sent. I'm the one that can give you a fresh start. And then Jesus, after that conversation with Nicodemus, according to John's gospel, he went into the countryside and he began practicing baptism crowds would come to him and he and his disciples would baptize them all, same as John the Baptist had done. And while that wouldn't be the primary feature of all of his ministry, when Jesus left the earth, his final words to the disciples were, go into all the nations, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. So from that commandment, since that time, Baptism has been the sign. That's been the moment, baptism, when we confess our faith in Jesus, when we're incorporated into Christ's body, the church. It's a sign of our entry into the kingdom of God. It's not that the water itself is magical or special. It's, it's that the, the water points us to something deeper The work of the Spirit, the presence of the Spirit, working in the life of every single person who places their faith in Jesus Christ. It's the gift of a new beginning, the start of God's new creation. And this is our heritage. This is our promise as Christians, every single one of us. When we receive baptism, we are written into a story of God's new creation. We are given the promise that when we put our faith in Christ, we get to be new creations. Now, when I was growing up, the church I was part of, the youth group I was part of, there was this debate that always took place. Some of you may have had this debate or heard this debate before. Once saved, always saved. You ever heard that before? It's this question, this debate of like, well, once you're saved, does that mean you're always saved? Is it possible to lose your salvation. If you turn away from God, if you sin, if you mess up really badly, if you if you end up losing your faith, can you lose your salvation? Can you be lost again? And that was the debate that, you know, I don't want to get too far into that debate. I'll tell you briefly that I tend to lean towards the always side, not because I think that gives us a license to go out and sin and do whatever we want, but because I believe there's no limit to God's grace and i believe the spirit is working in our lives even when we're going through difficult times even when we lose faith the spirit is there and present we should never give up on that but the debate i want to talk about today is the debate that i think takes place between denominations once baptized always baptized the way it goes is like this is you know if you were baptized as an infant and you don't really remember it does that count if you are baptized, even as a young person or whatever age you are, but then you wander away from the faith and you kind of lose your way for a while, when you come back to the faith, do you need to be re-baptized. And, and, and I'm going to refer here to John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, who cited very strongly on the once baptized, always baptized. You don't need to be re-baptized. And what he meant by that is that we don't lose our baptism, even if we forget it. Even if we wander away from it, we don't lose our baptism. We don't lose the grace of God. When we're baptized, we are brought into a covenant and God's covenant always holds even when we fail. So we don't have to be re-baptized every time we mess up and desire to be, you know, experience God's grace anew. However, there is a point for all of us especially if we were baptized as infants. There is a point when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, where we confess him as our Lord and our Savior, and we experience in that moment what John Wesley called the justification of our sins. We experience the gift of forgiveness. It's what Delmar was talking about. You know, all my sins and transgressions are are washed away, and it's not just the forgiveness of our past, but it's also the promise of the future from here on out. It's a straight and narrow, and heaven is my reward. It's the gift of a new life that we can live in light of that moment of forgiveness and grace. And what John Wesley did teach is that, you know, baptism how do I say this? You only have to be baptized once, but we can renew it again and again and again because God's grace is new every morning. It never runs out. It never grows still. It never grows tired and weary. It is new every single morning. And because God's grace is new, we can renew our baptism, our remembrance that we are part of God's new creation. And so from time to time, we have a service here in our church, and I think in most Methodist churches, called a, a renewal of baptism. And it's an opportunity For each of us, no matter what our story is, no matter where or when we were baptized, no matter where our journey has taken us, you know, since that date, it is an opportunity for us to remember that we are baptized and to confess our faith anew in Christ, to be reminded that in him we are all new creations. Now, When I say that, let me be clear. There's a renewal that God does, and there's a renewal that we do. Nicodemus got it right. A man can't enter back into his mother's womb. A man can't forgive himself and truly be forgiven in that way. Can't wipe out his past. Uh, A person can't change who they are and suddenly become a new creation. Transformation and forgiveness. Are God's work. They're what God does in us through the Spirit working in us each and every day. So we, don't, we can't make ourselves new. But what we can do is we can renew our confession. We can renew our commitment to Christ, our confession that Jesus is Lord. We can acknowledge whatever false idols have captured our fancy and led us astray we can repent and turn back to God. And when we do that, when we renew our commitment and our confession in Christ, we trust that the work of renewal that we can't do, God will do in God's time in us. God will make our hearts new. God will breathe into us by his spirit. New life, new hope, new forgiveness. So, here's what we're going to do in just a moment. In just a moment, I'm going to invite the pastors forward. And instead of taking communion today, like normally the first Sunday of the month as Methodists, we practice communion, but today we're going to have a remembrance of baptism. And uh, we're going to invite you to come forward and receive uh, a mark of the cross, either on your forehead or on your hand. You can present your hand if you prefer on your hand. It doesn't matter where the water is. And we'll speak over you words of blessing, and it'll be a time of remembrance. Now, what this might mean for you might be different for every single person here. For some of you, it might just be remembering that you are baptized, that you belong to God and that God loves you, that you are his creation in and out. And all those things that you don't like about yourself, God loves you all the same. It might just be remembering God's love and mercy. For some of you, this act of remembrance may be a time of confession, that you are aware of some brokenness in your life, some habit that you just want to be done with, and you are simply laying it before God, like just surrendering. Take this junk out of my life. Help me be the new creation that you promise, oh God. I surrender. I give it to you. For some of you, it might be a confession of faith that you've heard about Jesus, you've been in the church, you, you know, you you feel drawn, but you don't know if you've ever kind of said, truly, Jesus, I believe you. I believe that you are the Son of God. And I want to experience the forgiveness and hope that others seem to speak about. I want to know it in my heart that I am yours. That's okay. You may have been baptized, but this may be your moment of declaring your faith this morning. Whatever it may be, that's between you and God. We just simply want to give you the opportunity to do business this morning with God. Whatever you may need in your soul right now to present that to God and to remember through the grace of his son, Jesus Christ, God gives us the opportunity to be new creations. As Delmar said, come on in boys, the water is fine.